presented by Amazon. Hey there, Playbookers. I'm Raghuman Ovalin. Donald Trump gets the green light to return to Facebook, docudrama heads to Capitol Hill, and why this battle over the debt ceiling feels different. Here are the big things we're tracking on Thursday, January 26th. On the surface, there are two big parallels between the battles over the debt ceiling in the past and the present day. One, House Republican leaders have promised their most conservative members that they put restraints on a Democratic administration while struggling to keep the right wing of their party in check. While two, a Democratic president is unsure if the Republican speaker has the clout to get his conference in line. But look a little closer, as veterans of the 2011 showdown have done, and you'll see stark differences. One, this time, Republicans are preparing to stare down the White House without any clear consensus about what they want in exchange for hiking the debt ceiling, other than, of course, making it as politically painful for President Joe Biden as possible. Brendan Buck, aide to then-Speaker John Boehner, had this to say, I wish I could look at this, having been through a bunch of these, and say there's going to be a bunch of drama, but this is how it gets resolved. But I don't know how this gets resolved. There are just huge obstacles here that I don't think were quite as problematic in 2011. Difference number two, there's a razor-thin GOP House majority, and the administration has little confidence that Speaker Kevin McCarthy has the influence to pull his conference back from the brink, even if he wanted to. Dan Pfeiffer, a senior White House aide during the 2011 showdown, said that though the Obama team thought there was a good chance the country would fall off the cliff, they also felt Boehner understood the gravity and did intellectually and substantively understand why default was terrible. Pfeiffer said, Boehner may have been willing to put more of his ass on the line, he was trying to find a way to avoid defaulting while keeping his job. And I'm not sure that McCarthy understands that, that McCarthy cares, that McCarthy would value the full faith and credit of the United States over his own job. A Biden-McCarthy meeting is in the works, but right now, both men seem dead set on not blinking. The AP reports that the Fuhrer over Biden, Trump, and now former Vice President Mike Pence's possession of classified documents is boiling over on Capitol Hill as members of the Senate Intelligence Committee demanded access to classified documents that were discovered and accused the administration of stonewalling them over the matter. Senator Marco Rubio had this to say, I'm not in the business of threats right now, but I'm just saying every year this committee has to authorize how money is spent in Biden's agencies. And a piece of advice from Senator Mark Warner, go check your closets. Meanwhile, Senator Tom Cotton said he will slow down confirmation of all of Biden's nominees until Congress is allowed to review the classified documents, vowing to impose pain on the administration. As Politico's Burgess Everett and Nicholas Wu write in today's playbook, Cotton stance threatens to shut down an already slow-moving Senate. The chamber has taken just one roll call vote since being sworn in on January 3rd, confirming an assistant defense secretary on Monday. Donald Trump can now return to Facebook and Instagram following a decision by Meta that will end the former president's two-year suspension from the platforms. 
tech reporter Rebecca Kern covers all the fun on social media for Politico and is here to talk about it. Rebecca, how's it going? Going well. How are you? Um, from what you can tell, uh, why did they make this decision now? I mean, if you look at the blog post, it came from their president of global affairs, Nick Clegg. He was formerly a deputy prime minister in the UK. So they they put a former politician at the front of this decision, more or less to to cover for Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO. They want they wanted a different official in this role. Hmm. I mean, he he said they had to come to some conclusion at this point. They had committed to their two year. Um, agreement, which was directed upon them by their quote unquote independent oversight board, which mm. they threw the decision to them that this is the group that they formed and funded. And it has a lot of outside civil society, humanitarian academics um, that are appointed to the board separate from uh, Meta's um, appointment. They are separate. They ruled on whether. Um, or not, Meta took the correct position in banning Trump originally indefinitely. And, Meta, and then the board came back last year saying, you know what, you should not have any policy that's an indefinite suspension, no matter who hmm. it is. You should give a time frame and then give a reasoning to the time frame and when you'll make a decision. So that's when Meta came out last year, said, okay, we're going to make it retroactively a two-year timeline. It's it's a little unclear. It's more like they had to come to the decision this month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think they really were debating. You know, the left came out very strong, as you would suspect. Those people who, politicians who say, you know, he is still espousing the misinformation around the 2020 election. And and he's still espousing some hate speech and racist commentary. Um, we can go into that as well. The comments he's made about Lane Chow recently. Hmm. So, and a lot of that if, can be interpreted as violent rhetoric. To, to some individuals. So um, so I think a lot of liberals and Democrats are very upset. They were always going to be whenever this decision came down this way. On the other hand, we have not heard from Republicans. <laughs> there, It's been surprisingly quiet. I, I've reached out for comment and, and a lot of people aren't commenting yet. One thing I thought was interesting was who announced the change. Uh, like you mentioned, it was Nick Clegg, uh, president for Global Affairs and Meta Platforms. He was former United Kingdom Deputy Prime Minister under David Cameron. Uh, why wasn't it Zuckerberg? I feel like, if I remember correctly, I feel like Zuckerberg was kind of behind the decision uh, two years ago about the suspension. It's interesting now that he uh, that he's not anywhere to be seen for this. Yes, almost. yes, that is. It seems very intentional, and like I said, they wanted to put a face a face who has been before many a body of government. Right, like hmm. he served in the government. He has very strong relations throughout Europe. He um, has very strong relations with governments around the world. And, and those are um, have been long established. Some people say he has maybe more of a better rapport. And, you know, being a politician comes with some adept skill sets that maybe evading some questions from press or like not always being pretty skillful in rhetoric and 
and how he speaks in public. And if we've seen Mark Zuckerberg appear on the Hill, he comes off a little stoic and a little difficult to, to really engage with and, and doesn't always um, have the answers that lawmakers are looking for and, and may not be the public face the company necessarily wants right now. And so, I mean, the decision was really up to Nick Clegg. And he said it um, at an event last year that we wrote about. And he um, got promoted to this new, pretty, very high up position, President of Global Affairs, almost a year ago in, in February 2022. So so this was, um, sounds purposeful, and he's been very instrumental in this decision making. Uh, so former President Trump, actually, I just read this today, he has to post to Truth Social at least six hours before any other social media platform. Uh, he hasn't tweeted yet. Uh, any indications what he'll do here now that he's allowed back onto Facebook and Instagram? Yes, he was allowed on Twitter back in November um, to what we all thought was thought would have been much fanfare and, and immediate tweets. He did not. It has come to light that so he has an agreement with his company, True Social, that for 18 months, he has to post um, six hours ahead of any other social media on, on Truth. So I think that would expire in next June. Mm. So unless he breaks this agreement, he'll either not join Facebook or Twitter until next June and be an active user, or you'll see basically retruths of his truth posts mm. hours later on these other platforms, which just may not be as interesting to anyone. And uh, there is an there was an interesting Rolling uh, Rolling Stone article about um, you know him talking to people about how, how he can get out of this exclusivity agreement. Mm. So, so there's chatter. We could, we, we are not quite sure. We reached out to his campaign. Um, no one has responded as to whether he will rejoin Facebook or not. Um, and he even sent out truth today, kind of disparaging Facebook. They've lost billions in value since he has been deplatformed. And, you know, they made the bad choice of deplatforming him as a sitting president. But then he didn't say whether or not he would rejoin. Our understanding is his campaign would likely get involved again because that it was a wonderful fundraising tool for him mm -hmm. in the past. And, and he is not performed as well without his account being on this time around while running for president. Yeah, I was actually going to say, um, I saw a story that Ron DeSantis was outpacing any other potential 2024 GOP candidate pretty substantially when it comes to ad buys on Google and Facebook. To me, it might not even be the outreach about the posts themselves. I think it's getting Trump access to having ad spends and fundraising again ahead of 2024 that they're in play for here. Yes, yes. That's what we're, that's what campaign strategists have been telling us. And that's where I, we think he'll be most active is on the fundraising side on Facebook. Um, and, you know, like that would, a lot of people are criticizing Facebook as that's the main reason they let him back on. I mean, Facebook, has, like many tech companies today, has had major cuts in employees and in preparation for, you know, what may be a recession. So um, this would be a lot of money making uh, potential for them and ad sales. So like 
just putting that out there. That was not part of the reasons Nick Clegg listed today. <laughs> but we have to be aware um, Trump would spend a lot of money on Facebook, as you're saying, DeSantis has done. And, I'll, and pretty much every politician uses Facebook for fundraising. That's a, a really essential tool to reach voters today, dramatically more than like Twitter, for sure. Tech reporter Rebecca Kern, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Here's what's up in Washington today. Starting with the White House, at 1.40 p.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to Springfield, Virginia. There, he'll deliver remarks on the economy. At 5.30, Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will host a Lunar New Year reception at the White House. The House and the Senate will meet at 10 a.m., and at 1.45, the Senate will vote on a resolution to designate January as National Stocking Awareness Month. One bit of news from Wednesday, in a 420 to 1 vote, the House commended Iranian demonstrators for their ongoing protests of the Islamic Republic's government. The lone no vote, Representative Thomas Massey. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Munavalan. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. All employees should have the opportunity and tools to grow their careers, regardless of where they start. That's why Amazon offers 10 different programs designed to help employees advance their careers and move into higher paying roles within Amazon. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.